What's up, WizKids, and welcome to another edition of Off the Bench. Jamoke Davis here with Chris Gehring, Zach Rosen, and Jeremy Hyman. And we don't want to end the pod on a down note, but we really want to express our um, condolences and our prayers to the Butler family. Rasul Butler, who is a former Washington Wizard, uh, died in a single car accident with his significant other in the car as well. Um, I do recall interviewing his daughter for a piece that we did while he was here, and she had such wonderful things to say about her father. And to think that he is will no longer be with us on this earth is is really sad. And uh, everyone except for Zach was here at the time. Oh, Chris, you weren't here either. I feel like you. I thought you were here longer than that. But no, was he, was he was a good guy. He was a good guy, Jeremy. Yeah, he was with us for the fourteen fifteen season. Um, just that one year, but certainly a guy that made an impact. You know, just in terms of how he treated the media how he treated us you know the staff and how he treated the, his teammates he's he was a guy that bounced around a lot in the league but he mm-hmm. um, he was sort of made an impact everywhere he made and he he didn't have many guaranteed contracts he sort of always went in a lot of times went in as a you know a, as a uh, you know a, a training camp invitee mm-hmm. which was how he came in to the Wizards that yeah. season and it was sort of out of nowhere you know coming into that training camp I remember like how he made got won that last roster spot and then put himself and became a big rotation guy mm-hmm. for that season um, so certainly on the court he made you know was a great shooter a great great teammate and a great uh, you know a great guy for the Wizards that season a really important piece to that team that had Paul Pierce on it um, you know that that was sort of that that team that made that playoff yeah. run. Yeah. But um, it just sort of that news. It always hits you when, especially when it's just out of nowhere like that with an accident. Yeah. Um, it just took me like everyone for a real shock, yeah. and I know that a lot of the players were pretty, um, you know, pretty upset, and you know, as 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 anyone would be, anyone that knew him, it was just sort of, uh, really a sad, sad, um, sad yeah. news to get, and. Um, yeah, I so obviously I would, you know, send, send thoughts to his family and his, uh, his girlfriend, um, you know, to her family and his daughter. Yeah. Um, it's just, uh, really too bad. And I'll certainly remember a lot of good, you know, we, had, I went mm-hmm. through my old pictures, saw a lot of at the bowling alley at the white house when we went there, yeah. I saw that, yeah. um, he was with the guys then. I remember having a good time with him there. Um, the bowling alley, the bowling alley in Utah. I saw the pictures from him with the guys there when we went out, that was during that season too. So yeah, we kind of went back through our old camera roll just to find some old, you know, remembering the good times we had with him yeah. when he was here for that one year. And it was, um, really a tough day for the NBA tragic tragic news to learn and um it certainly certainly took me for a uh for a tough turn yesterday my fondest memory of butler was not even him being on the wizards but i remember traveling to barcelona and berlin with the wizards for a week and it was a back-to-back playing the new orleans hornets at the time and butler killed us i think maybe not both games at least the one in barcelona he was just on fire and i was like who is this russell butler like it was just it was wild so when he came here i remember talking to him about that and now we will no longer be able to talk to him and 
we wish his family the best as they are trying to deal with this tragedy. Um, and not that you, it's tough to transition from this, but let's move forward. We're, we're looking at the playing the Toronto Raptors tonight. We're looking back at the Oklahoma City game. And we're going to answer your questions on Twitter coming up uh, on the rest of Off the Bench. So stay tuned, everybody. Come right back. What's up, WizKids, and welcome to another edition of Off the Bench. Jamoke Davis here with Chris Gehring, Zach Rosen, and Jeremy Hyman. And tonight, the Washington Wizards are hosting the Toronto Raptors for the first time this season. They had a great game against Oklahoma City. We'll talk about that. And as you saw in the tweet we put out yesterday, we will be answering your questions that you sent in to our hashtag at WashWizards, hashtag DC Family. So we got about six or seven questions we're going to get to later in the show. First, gentlemen, let's talk about that Oklahoma City game. Uh, Washington beat Oklahoma City 102-96 after the news that John would be out for six to eight weeks. Uh, they held Oklahoma City to just 30 made field goals in the game. Just a great performance by a team that you didn't know how they were going to respond, especially after the wall news. I thought Sadoransky was pretty much like an assassin on Russ defensively. Probably won the game, just his defense, especially in the fourth quarter. Uh, and then Otto, despite getting, I think he went through concussion protocol, he came back into the game at 25 points. Uh, there was a lot of balance. The ball movement, uh, the assist to field goal ratio was really good. It's a team win. And the Thunder looked very tired, but at the same time, like the Wizards were all over them and made the extra plays um, late in the game. I think everyone thought, when the Thunder went up four with, you know, only a few minutes left, maybe the Wizards would fall apart. But they hung in there, had a, had a really nice uh, out-of-timeout play, uh, a few big alley-oops late in the game, um, just just worked the ball around well, and then shut down Paul George, who killed them all game in the fourth quarter. He didn't even take a shot. So I think another, another game, maybe you didn't shoot as well as you wanted. Some shots just weren't falling. I mean, the team – made six of their first eight three-pointers and then only made one of 17 the rest of the game. But a lot of those shots were good shots. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of positives to take away. That's just the way they have to play every time now without John. It's max effort from everybody. All the guys have talked about it the last couple of days, and, and you're seeing it. They're they're owning it and taking taking themselves up on their words. Yeah, for sure. The the team has preached defense since Scott Brooks came here and and – they got it done when it mattered against a really talented team. And I agree that the Thunder did look a little a little off, maybe a little tired um, in the fourth quarter. But, I mean, to hold the Thunder to 20 points in any quarter in any game is an accomplishment on the, on the, on the half of the, on behalf of the Wizards, excuse me. So um, it's, it's something to build off of. And there's a lot of high pressure, so higher visibility games coming up. And that's a good – it's good it's good momentum to keep building and I know that we talk about momentum a lot and trying to find it this season just because it seems like it's been elusive but I think that this is certainly this is certainly a start and when you lose a guy like John Wall and you know that he's going to be out for an extended period of time I think that that certainly has to sharpen the focus a little bit I think I think that we saw that in Atlanta we saw it certainly against OKC I think we'll see it again against Toronto and so it's a it's it's never a good thing to to lose John Wall but it certainly gave a spark to this team that that they definitely needed at this point in the year and we're finding out 
how much Sato can contribute, how good Brad is, and all, all those things. And I think that's important going forward. And we hope that you know, by all by all accounts, John's surgery went well in Cleveland, and we'll we'll see him back when he's when he's ready to go. But the team the team showed it was a very promising showing. Do you also take into account that it was a first? game of a road trip for Oklahoma City. I feel like the Wizards have kind of had some issues where you get that first road game going in. Not Jeremy, really. the travel expert, can tell you how that's nuts right, their, that's ske- right. their schedule was nuts this la- the last week. So uh, I think they were in they were like maybe in Philadelphia. No, where were they before home? They were in Detroit. Detroit, then went back yeah. to Philadelphia. Dwen played at home against Philadelphia on a Saturday, Sunday back-to-back, and then flew mm-hmm. back here for a Tuesday game, and now they had to fly to Denver for t- a Thursday night game before returning yeah. home. That's so, th- it gets a to weird you. schedule. I mean, a weird, yeah. you know, a lot of zigzagging, but they're probably used to that playing, you know, being in the middle of the country. Sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't. You can throw all the excuses. You can make excuses for like every game for some reason. So, I mean, it was a good performance. The Wizards, you know, they they uh, played right with them. You know, it was a. I don't know how much the Roberson injury hurt the Thunder, but yeah, I did mention the defense was still pretty good. I would yeah, say. Yeah, and um, you know, obviously, Houston had to play at the end of the game there, which he was not familiar with, and he had that big turnover that. You know, kind of gave the Wizards the win. Yeah, he made three errors in the um, final minute. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> but you know, growing with that pains, with that yeah. aside, I mean, the Wizards they hung right there. I mean, they played with the Thunder. You know, with their All Stars, and uh, it was, I mean, it was a good win for for the Wizards. With you know, without their their All Star point guard, so um, and they're going to have another tough test tonight with with Toronto, another pair of All Star guards to take on. So. One last note, the Wizards hit on 27 of 29 free throws, their third best free throw percentage night of the season, and um, that definitely helped contribute to the win, and as yeah, the, I mentioned. The free throws have been a lot better lately. Yeah, yeah I was going to say another 90% game was, I believe, the Atlanta game, and so yeah. they're starting to string it together and um, calm down from the line. It's all confidence, it's too. it's really important, yeah. I think also what I was thinking is, so Mike Scott started the game about like two for eight from the field, which is very unlike him. And so he got fouled on a play, and I was like, this is probably a good moment for him to get some shots and like, see it go through the net. A few minutes later, he hit that big three when the Thunder were kind of on the up back, and I think it tied it at 83 or gave the Wizards an 86-83 three, lead. Yeah. Like, they just couldn't score, and then he hit that right. shot. Mm-hmm. So I think you know those free throws are opportunities to, to see the ball go through the hoop. And for a, a, at this point, the Wizards' main shooters are – their experience, but most of them are younger or have been hurt in recent years, so they need they need to see that happen. So th- I thought that was pivotal. Yeah. There were a lot of free throws in that game. Very yeah. choppy it's game. A ton of fouls. I think there were like 50s, 58 fouls or something wild. I mean, it's going to be a ton of fouls. Another key against the Raptors, who they're physical. They're going to get to the free throw line, which means that's going to get the refs blowing the whistle too for both sides. Um one key note for the Raptors tonight is Fred Van Vliet just had a kid or his wife had a kid or his girlfriend, so he's not with the team right now, and he's been a guy that's killed the Wizards these two games so far this season, and he's been one of the best defensive guards in the NBA statistically. So that's a key for sure. Um, and I think C.J. Miles is questionable. He's got the same like knee soreness he's been dealing with all year. But two guys in their, ro- in their rotation that impact the game on both ends a lot. So... Both and Beal 
wrote a, a blog piece today where he said, you know, we have to look ourselves in the mirror and say every team deals with injuries. We're not unique. It can't be an excuse. You you use what you have, and that's going to be the case for both teams, I think. But the Raptors are they're an interesting team, I think, compared to where they've been the last couple of years. Play upbeat. They really shoot a ton of threes now. Norman Powell, who was ideally like one of their best assets entering the season, is not even in the rotation. He'll probably play if these two guys don't play tonight. But it's so interesting how they, they've kind of thrown together depth from their drafts, which is what a lot of teams want to do because you save money that way and, and you gain the camaraderie. You have players for a longer time. But like Siakam, Van Vliet, uh, Jakob Pertl. Um, boy. Yeah, Ananobi from Indiana. These guys, like, they don't have specific skill sets yet, but they're all hustle players. I have a particular set of skills. (laughs) Yeah. No, they really do, though. They kind of are, like, as a team, they make up, like, a Swiss Army knife, really. (laughs) Just one big one. Yeah, it's just one big Swiss Army knife. And it's a lot of young guys. The tempo is... Um, is certainly something that can hurt teams, although the Wizards also like to play up-tempo, obviously, so that's something that they practice against defensively. But they have a, they have a kind of a wide variety of guys that not one of them, I mean, obviously, other than guys like DeMar DeRozan and, and Kyle Lowry, who are top-end, they're, they're your all-stars, certainly, but the guys that, can, that come off the bench can really hurt you in a lot of different ways, and so... Um, the Wizards have seen them three times. This will be the third time, and so they understand that, and they got a big win without John in Toronto um, against this team. But Toronto's playing really well, and certainly the Wizards know them well, and that, that will help. But you, you kind of got to be ready for a lot. OG Ananobi, I think, has been a surprise to a degree for some people just because I think out of the draft he was considered a really raw talent, though he's a great athlete, and that's that's what you like to start with. We've seen that with, with Kelly Oubre, certainly. But I think he's kind of molding into the 3 and D guy that you hear about all the time, and, and he's getting more comfortable in that sense. Obviously a really good defender, and that, that was kind of his calling card coming out of college. So certainly missing Van Vliet is, is tough, and we saw him just really single-handedly um, go on a run against the Wizards a couple times already this year. So... Um, yeah, it's a really interesting game. I'm really excited. I think this this whole run of home games for the Wizards is really interesting, and it's a, it's an exciting time to come on down and, and watch for sure. And for us that watch the team every day, it's good to see these big time opponents coming in in a row and try to get some to get some momentum against some really good teams. Jeremy, when you look at uh, not just the play of the Wizards as a team, because I think as we all are saying, they're going to need a team game, but Keith Morris, last three games, averaging 20 points per game. He's really come on in January. And I know all throughout the season we've talked about the levels of how healthy Keith is. And these last three games, are he's starting to build a, a real rhythm. Yeah, he's been good, um, certainly. Mm-hmm. Him, him and Otto, the last couple games, have really taken on a, a much bigger scoring role. Um, obviously, that's super important for the Wizards especially now when John's going to be out they and that's why I think you know part of the reason that the team has sort of been a little bit under expectations is um, because they've seen dips from Otto uh, from Keefe you know from what we saw during a lot of last year and they need those guys I mean those are 
I mean, not only are those role guys, but those are starters on this team. And Otto, you know, after signing his big contract, he's really, you know, was supposed to be the third the third guy. Mm-hmm. So to see him, I know he's dealing with a hip hip that he's kind of been on and off all season. So I don't know how much that factors into, you know, his inconsistencies. But to see him get going, I think, 25 on Tuesday, um, he shot the ball well. Keith, as you said, another guy who's starting to shoot the ball well again. Um, another guy who's dealt with, you know, he had the issues at the beginning of the season. So, um, but, yeah, that the front court, you know, with Mike Scott, and those guys are really going to take on a much – heavier dose of offense here with uh over the next sort of six weeks and that not that that's you know the make or break but that's going to be uh really important as the wizards try and find wins against these good teams um and i think they'll be you know they have a raptors team that they already beat without john in toronto they just beat the thunder without john so i don't think they go into you know the mindset now is like well, we just kind of have to hope to play a perfect game. Like, I think they know now that they can compete, win, beat good teams, it's like, without it being a fluke or without it, you know, the other team, you know, needing the other team to miss a lot of shots or, you know, something like that. But now they know that, you know, playing good defense, uh, moving the ball like they've done the last couple of games, that that they can beat they can beat some of these good teams even without John. So I think that's a that's a positive. Let's get okay, to the let's fan get, questions. Yeah, let's get to some fan yeah. questions. We'll start with Adam. At Adam D0719. Big Wiz fan. Big Wiz fan. What do you think of the recent growth of Sadoransky, and will he become a solid backup for the Wizards in years to come? You guys will do the answering. I'll ask the questions. But my one thing that I did want to re- point out is I remember in that Oklahoma City game, twice I remember Russell Westbrook trying to steal the ball from Sadoransky, that not happening, and Sadoransky penetrating, going right to the rack, either the score or the dish. So he's ready to take on the challenge of playing against a player like a Russell Westbrook and is not scared by the intimidation that he was bringing in the game at, against the Thunder. So so you are giving your analysis after all. I guess all. I did. After all. I just, I kind of, Not, kinda, not just can. a moderator, Moke, <laughs> Moke the analysis. The analyst. I just was proud Analyzer, of because I feel like Westbrook analyst. was trying to analyst. Yeah, Westbrook was trying to like test him early, and he wasn't falling for it. Well, that's what that was the uh, that was sort of the scouting report on Saturansky coming into the year that a lot of teams was to press pressure him, um, you know, make him try to force turnovers, and um, you know that was sort of. I guess I don't know if it was a weakness, but that's something that we saw that a lot of teams try to do that in the limited minutes he played last year um, and early in this year. Um, but he's gotten a lot better. I think his ball handling has certainly gotten better in the way he's his confidence and the way he runs the offense now is, I mean, I don't even really notice it or think about it anymore. And I think, um, you know, just how he's just sort of proven himself in all, all areas. Um, I mean, his shooting has gotten so much better. His assist-to-turnover ratio has, you know, been great. He Second um, in the league. Yeah, and that's that's why I think, um, you know, he was one of the guys coming into this year that I was kind of like, you know, right on the bubble of, you know, was it whether he was going to get minutes, um, what his role was going to be. We weren't, you know, at the beginning of the year, he didn't really play. Tim Frazier was the backup to mm-hmm. John to start the year, and, um, Sadoransky played, you know, very limited minutes. 
Uh, it wasn't until John got hurt that he actually, that's when he started to get those minutes. And then yeah. when John came back, he stayed in the rotation. And now all of a sudden he's probably going to be your starting point guard for the next six weeks. Um, so incredible growth from him. Um, I liked him a lot in 2012 when we drafted him in that, mm-hmm. that summer league, we were out with him in Vegas, him and Bradley Beal, you know, they were in the yeah, same draft. Yeah. So it's nice to see that now, what, six years later that this two draft picks from the same, yeah. you know, from that same draft. So that's now your starting backcourt, um, which, you know, that doesn't happen all the time. So that, that's something to, you know, to give credit for the organization for take for that pick. Um, and yeah, I don't. I don't think we've seen the best from him yet either. I mean, he's still, you know, de- learning the NBA game, which is something he's getting used to because it's a lot different than what he's used to in, than what he was used to playing with Barcelona. Um, and I think playing guys like Russell, because there aren't players like Russell that play in Europe. Yeah. Um, that's a challenge for him. He talked about it after the game, how tired he was, you know, how much it took out of him just to, <laughs> to do that. But but he did a great job, and that's something. I think Tuesday's game might have been where you really saw, and he didn't score. It wasn't like it was his best game, right? But it was where you really saw that he's, you know, he's a he's a good NBA player, even when he's not. You know, he, well, he had a couple free throws. He had like four points from the free throw, but he didn't have a field goal. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, without scoring, he still impacted the game so with so you know so much that I think um, I'm certainly optimistic about his future in the NBA. Yeah. So I mean, I think. To Adam's question, I think he already is a really viable backup for the Wizards, and certainly we're going to get to see him. We're going to get to see him play a lot in these next six weeks. The thing I would point out about Sadaransky is something that we talk about with Ubre a lot as well. Is that he started with a really, really good like physical skill set. He's long. He's 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 a big body. He's super athletic. Um, and when you start with that and add, you know, getting to sit and and play and practice against John Wall every day for the last two years um you get what Sadaransky is now and I think he's had to he's had to defend some really good guys in in the backcourt in the Wizards practice facility for since he got here as a full-time player and so using that experience and then also using the time that he's been given to develop his game develop his jumper his ability to get by guys and get to the basket I think that was something that he that he was kind of his bread and butter before. Mm -hmm. But I remember when we first talked to him in his first full season with the wizards that he said, you know, look, I'm, I'm a point guard. I've been a point guard my entire career. Like, yeah, I'm six, five. And certainly we have John wall and that's, that is what it is. But he said, I, I've been a point guard my entire professional career. I think we're seeing that we're seeing that now. He certainly has a savvy to him and, and certainly, he's still learning and the NBA is completely different. Like Jeremy said, but that curve I think has been shortened a little bit Mm -hmm. because he's had experience as a point guard before. And now he's got some really good weapons around him that certainly give him, give him opportunity to score sometimes, but, but he's more of a facilitator, but he can, he's a really good facilitator as well. And then the final part to him is that, he really goes hard and he he brings a lot of effort you see it on the on the rebounding and you see it when he's chasing down guys i mean we've already seen a, a few really impressive blocks against athletic guys yeah by by Sadaransky and so and if you haven't noticed he can dunk 
He can get up if he wants to. He really can. Get up. Throw it down. You want to talk about Sato, too, or you want to go to the next question? The last thing I was just going to say is he's he's a viable backup for basically one through three also. He doesn't need to play a point guard, and that's where his real value is. So Yeah. Okay. We'll move on to the next one. At underscore dimply girl. She has two questions. Shout out to them dimples. (laughs) What keeps Kelly Oubre motivated as an individual player himself? How does Bradley Beal feel about being selected to play for the all in the All Star game? Even though she says for the All Star game, Zach. Uh, there's been some media out there about Kelly and his work ethic and where he's come from. I mean, he over the summer would wake up at 5 a.m. to do workouts before he would do stuff for fashion, which is something he's really interested in, as most of our listeners know. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 5 a.m. Yeah, workout, like Kobe, Kobe like that. Style. Uh, a lot of his motivation comes from his upbringing as BBD well. coming out. <laughs> That's right. I mean, his dad, who we all know um, fairly well, is a great motivator of him. He comes to all of his games. He's just a really great person in his life, and that's mm-hmm. that's really shaped who he is. We did the podcast with him last year, um, and there's a, a good feature, I think, on NBC Sports Washington with both the Ubres, the called the two Ubres, and you'll learn a lot more about their relationship. Um, so... I think Kelly, for him, it's very self-motivated, too. When the team loses, he puts it on himself to get better every day. Mm -hmm. He's fixed his jump – no, not fixed, but adjusted his jump shot. He works with a lot of trainers because he's really motivated to be an all-star one day. And when Brad and John got named, he put it on himself. He said, I want to be like them. Um, And he's just a different dude that has goals, and he doesn't let people get in his way. And he's always been overlooked because he didn't participate in either of the rising stars, the two seasons he had an opportunity to. You know, the NBA didn't think that he was worthy of playing in that game. So I feel like he has nothing, somewhat of a chip on his shoulder about proving not just to himself but to the world, NBA fans, that I I belong. 100%. And we're seeing him being given a chance to shine, and he's taken it. I think from a a, – like a mental perspective from a swagger perspective he is fully bought in on his ability and i know that sometimes that can come off as this like a weird like a cockiness or a yeah. swagger it's a fine line between confidence right. and cockiness right but i think but i think that that he i think on him on him it is it leans towards confidence in himself and and you see that on the floor he's not afraid to challenge anybody we saw him and Paul George get into a little whatever that was um, the other night, but it's because he doesn't back down from any challenge. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's it's I mean it's the literal opposite. He wants the challenges and he and he seeks those challenges. He wants to guard the best player on the floor. He wants to work on his jump shot. He wants to work on his floor game. He is extremely motivated off the floor and everything that he does. And so. He's a he's a contagious personality. Guys like Brad, especially Brad and and John too, have talked about how, you know, while they certainly influence him and his game and his and his goals, he his energy is infectious and it affects them too in a positive mm-hmm. way. And so, for Kelly, yeah, I think, you know, he it, a lot of his motivation comes from within. It certainly comes from his dad. Their relationship is really special, and, and like Zach said, there's a lot out there about that. And talking about talk about somebody or two people who have really gone through, you know, gone through the battles. I mean, yeah, not just basketball, but you know, in life, they've been through a lot together, and but it's being, a really inspirational having to story. leave their home because yeah. of Katrina, and yeah, they've living just, in hotels in Houston. Yeah, they've been through a lot, and so 
you see that in Kelly and it's really cool to, to see some of it start to start to pay off and start to get some to get some um, some press and some recognition I think a lot more of that is on the way for him um, but it's cool and and on the Brad side um, the question about him you know how how does he feel about being named an all-star Brad is Brad's a super quiet guy by nature I think and but I but I do think that he's I mean we know that he's extremely excited and I think honored to, to he, be yeah an he wrote a big blog piece today about how yeah it still hasn't really hit him and how this is a huge step in his career I he's yeah you're not gonna hear him like scream about it but yeah he, this is a big deal to him for sure because it's yeah it's also Jeremy. You know him very well from being with him almost the pretty much the entire season, nine months out of the year. Whole but career, whole I was career. There draft night <laughs> in New Jersey, 2012. One he of knows the first him. people to meet Brad as a wizard. And it's like what comes with an all-star appearance is also more obligations, right? More endorsements, more appearances you have to do. So on so many levels, this is elevating his whole presence mm-hmm. as an NBA star. Oh yeah, that's that's one of the you know for as much as All Star you know means nothing like in terms of on the court like the game means nothing. It is great for individual you know brands, for recognition, for uh, popularity, and some guys. I mean, some players and Brad might fall into this at some level. He doesn't really care that much about some mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff. Um, I don't think it's a fault. Like I I don't not like I would blame him or even think that it's it's not always a bad thing like he really he doesn't i mean he has his you know he has his blog and like he likes to you know he'll express himself but he's a very laid back calm um he's not gonna like you know you don't see him on a ton of you know tv endorsements yeah you know, tv deals and do a nike um, that's about it yeah but i yeah even on a, on a national level like for the all-stars that are going to be at that game he's going to be one of the lesser mm-hmm. you know prominent players he's a first-time guy so that's part of it and he also just isn't like one of the you know for, especially the way the nba is now with all the like you know all the drama and the pettiness and all the stuff yeah. you see that yeah. the stuff that makes headlines that gets all the you know a lot of the clicks he's never he doesn't make comments that get in those in the headlines. He always says the right thing, which is good. So it's not always like it's a bad thing. But um, part of that is just like this will be a good opportunity for him to sort of get his his name on the national stage to get, yeah. you know, he'll be in the three point contest, we believe. I don't know yeah. if that's official, but oh, okay, okay. that's being reported. Um, and he's going to so definitely play a lot in that all-star game, especially with the injuries to Team LeBron. Yeah. And he's the yeah. kind of player that – is gonna like the scores usually play a lot more in those games just mm-hmm. because like that's what the teams want to see. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it'll be a good a good opportunity for him on a national level to get you know his first All Star All Star game and uh, yeah, yeah. That's we're looking forward to February. Is that a G Wiz question? I see. Huh? A G Wiz question. Okay, we'll go to the next one. Danny Smith at Con Thirty Two Husk Fifteen. Mm. Sounds familiar. What do you think about Mahimi's play of late? He gets a ton of criticism, but he definitely brings something to the table on the defensive end that the team needs. Anyone? Any takers? I mean, we're pretty big Jan defenders just because. No pun intended. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) For me, at least, I look at the advanced stats, and he's a top three player statistically on the Wizards. But then there are games like Tuesday where he has five fouls in nine minutes. So it's it's hard. 
I think the hardest part is that he's not very consistent with his play and that that's just how he plays defense. He's super physical and that's it can be a big difference maker. Like he can win games with his physicality sometimes mm-hmm. down low. But then there's times where the refs blow the whistle on plays that he gets away with in other games and I think that's what results in these fouls. Offensively his game has taken a turn I think in the last month. He's been scoring a little bit more. Mm. He had that big game uh was against Orlando, I believe, where he had uh season high in points uh, a few weeks ago. So I think for Mahinmi, it's focusing on what his role is with this team, and I think he's going to see more and more playing time as the season goes on, especially you never know what happens at the trade deadline. Um, he's pretty locked into the situation here, and Brooks likes him a lot for the way that he plays defense. And he's also been in the league for so long that he's a leader of this team. He's He has a voice. He's won an, an NBA Finals. He has a ring. I mean... Those are things that are intangibles. He knows a lot of guys around the league. Uh, so he's an important part of what the team does. Um, and his criticism, you know, it, it comes with a lot of people that just look at the box score and don't watch the team consistently, that he, he makes a lot of little things happen. And But the biggest key for him, and I think Keith Morris too, is staying out of foul trouble. Yeah. yeah I mean, sure. it's natural. Like, for whenever you sign a guy to a big contract like he did, and, you know, he was the big – free agent signing from uh the summer before you know this past summer so that would have been what 2016 summer um yeah it's just not like and then you you know he's averaging like four and four so you know you see the stats like the points the rebounds he's not you know he's not getting double doubles so and he's you know coming off the bench he's had his struggles he's been inconsistent but Mm -hmm. you know zach zach said you know he's a he's a important piece to the uh the front court and um he does things defensively that don't always show up, um, you know, statistically. Or you know, sometimes yeah. you got to dig a little deeper for his defensive metrics to see kind of what he's his impact on the game. Best offensive rating on the team. Best offensive. Yeah. Oh, excuse, excuse me. Defensive. Best, yeah, and defensive. I think he's up there. Yeah. Yeah, and also on offensive the season. Offensive is pretty good too. I think that he's he's set screens and he's made he he clears out a lot of space with his size also so you can get to the rim a lot when he's on the floor thank you danny for the question what else do we got at natty underscore y2 how do the players feel about john wall's injury how they feel about the playoffs now that the cavaliers have been in a rut well we talked a lot about john already i think the players know it's next man up we need to give 10 times the effort he'll be back we know that this is you know this is a test for us um so how do they feel about other teams? I still think this team believes they're one of the best teams in the East with with John, especially maybe without they still know they're very talented and, and, and have great chemistry. I don't think the Cavs situation really matters to them. They're focusing on themselves. Yeah, I, I think it's any team in the East. They see. I think they see that it's a missed opportunity with the way that the rest of the East is playing outside of Boston and Toronto, that there's not a lot of space between seeds three and nine. So... It, it it's a bummer there, but there's still a lot of time. We're only 50 games into the season. There's 32 to go. There's playoff opportunities. Um, but I think the drama around the league definitely impacts every player because they see what a situation is like elsewhere, and you either compare it to your own or are very thankful for where you are. Yeah. Um, but 
I don't think a lot of our guys are super low key. Like they don't even go on Twitter that much. Yeah. Otto doesn't have a Twitter. Keith isn't on Twitter much. Brad isn't on Twitter much. So um, it it's interesting for how each team has different dynamics. Because there's like we saw with the Redskins, the Alex Smith trade. All the Redskins were on Twitter, like tweeting about it. Our players would never be like that. Mm-hmm. Like a few of them, like Gortat, is always on Twitter. Yeah, like he's into it. John is on it. He's on it less than he used to be. I would say, mm-hmm. but yeah, the little inside social media there. Yeah. Are how our guys use yeah. social media. And you're talking about the Cavs, the opposite. LeBron James when he's when he's scored thirty thousand point, he's on Twitter thanking himself. So it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a different. It's a very different <laughs> dynamic. I th- I know. I think that like with the Cavs, everything's always out there. Everybody's always talking, and. And that's you know that's how it goes. They won. They won a year that that was happening. I mean, yeah. in the middle of the year, they they made a change and they won a title. That's kind of their mo, and and it's frustrating, I'm sure, for fans. Um, but our guys, yeah, I think they occasionally, I'm sure they hear it, and I'm sure they hear about it because players talk to each other and you know all that stuff. But I think all that stuff is always overplayed and yeah. and. I think that the I think our guys are are certainly worried about uh, worried about themselves and they know that they let their they know that they let some games get away and I think that now knowing that and seeing the situation that they still are in which is that they are two games out of third place mm-hmm. in the east which means a home which means home court and I think they look at that still as an opportunity and so what that means to them is they have a tough schedule coming up and they need to they need to take advantage of it still. They need to play harder. They need to focus sharper. And I think that that's I think that that's kind of always been the focus. That's always been kind of the thing for this team is that they believe in themselves certainly. Yeah. And some of those quotes get you know some of those quotes get taken out of context that you know Brad and John think we're the best in the East and um, of course they do. They should. They're two All Stars. They're the leaders of this team and they know where they want to go. So. I think that they still have that. I think they still have that belief in themselves, and I think now the 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 focus is on putting their heads down and proving it. Brandon, his handle is at the trolling p and two. I don't know. I c- classic Twitter name. I, c- I just troll. can't figure out what it is. I, I know it has something to do with, with troll. Yeah. Okay. Are you for sure making changes before the deadline, Jeremy? We'll give you the litmus test for first. For sure? No, nothing's for nothing's sure. Nothing's for sure. Nothing ever is for sure in this league. Um, no, I mean, I, just based on the history, at least since I've been here, this is my seventh trade deadline. The Wizards have made a move almost every season, whether mm-hmm. you know big or small, uh, some bigger than others, but they've been very active um, at this time of the year. And sometimes it's been through trades. Sometimes it's been adding guys that get – you know, through buy that get bought out by other teams, um, but almost every year at this time of year they've added someone to their team to try to you know make a push. Yeah. Um, for especially the last few years, I mean, look at you know last year Bogdanovich, the year before that Keefe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I mean, they're in a different spot this year than they've been in the past. Obviously, with John out, it's a little bit different. Um, I don't. I feel know. like even if you thought they were going to make a move now with John, it was like. There's more hesitation. Well, well, maybe not now. Yeah, that's what I'm. I don't know how much John being out changes what they really want to do. I don't know how much it should change because 
because um, you expect him to be back, mm-hmm. you know, in time, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully sometime in March, and then for the playoff push. So I don't know if you need if you if you need a short term. I mean, I think they're happy with what they have in the short term with Thomas and Tim taking over. I think they know now they can win without him. So I don't know if you need to necessarily go out and get a veteran point guard to come in and sort of take that role. You could still do it for some more depth. I guess a lot depends on what's out there, what it's going to cost you, what makes most sense for your organization. But, yeah, I, I, I would say if I were to guess, I would guess it would be something on the, a smaller type move. Yeah. Um, not I, – I don't know. Maybe it just – I just don't see a blockbuster – Type move happening. Sorry, here. Brandon. No blockbuster. <coughs> but that, this is again. We're this is. Spe- Who knows, not, right? We're speculating. Speculating, just like fans do. So, um, but that's all. That's all. Just sort of. We're just uh, you know guessing here. I don't. I yeah. don't have any kind of intel on that. But um, we don't have Ernie. We we see him a lot, but we don't have him on speed dial to be I able to just, ask those kind of say, questions. Just say what Walk the reporter, the what the what the real Jays say, and <laughs> say what we're hearing. What would just you say hear? what are what are we hearing from the the murmurs from around the uh, <laughs> the league? Yeah, that's right. I, All right, yeah. go ahead. No, I was just I was just gonna pretty much echo echo that sentiment. Yeah. We'll we'll see. Coach Brooks has said we'll wait and see. And teams always talk this time of year, but teams talk teams talk year round. Yeah, they talk to each other all 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 the time they're always scouting they're always evaluating themselves they're always evaluating other players mm-hmm. so you never know if something comes up then they'll do it and if uh if nothing does then i think they're confident in this squad and so okay so let's so, rephrase that all right if you can answer but maybe we'll pass this on to zach too do you think they're more the aggressor if they are would make a move or more like we'll take the phone calls and see no i think they are still aggressive Okay. Because they want to see what's out there, but I think every GM is like that, or every basketball mm. department is like that. I don't, and I also don't. Based on the roster makeup, there aren't a lot of people calling the Wizards. I would mm-hmm. say as much, unless they're interested in you know the bigger pieces. But I don't see those being available by any means. So yeah, yeah. yeah I, I if anything happens, it'll be smaller. But you never know. Okay, that just is what it is. All right, now let's see if you know this though. At Fatty Mook says, "Who's the biggest baller in the locker room?" Yeah, I wonder if he baller. That's why I was like, "Do you think he means like throws best dress?" Yeah, you know, got the nice cars versus yeah, Uh, versus the best basketball baller. We should all yeah, we should all give our slots. It's got to be John. I would say John's the biggest baller, right? John. Because also he's more without, flashy, without right? Without a question, John. Yeah. 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 I think John probably would, would get he the He gave the whole big, team Rolexes. Of course yeah. he's the biggest That's baller. A, yeah, that is a <laughs> pretty big baller Jay move. Wolf. The wall, <laughs> wall way. Wall <laughs> way. That's yeah. the wall way. It's got to be wall way. Kelly, Maybe that wall way will trickle down baller. to us. Maybe the wall way. Yeah. I would, I would note that, like, Brad certainly has, like, a like – a, a style that's kind of his own and like a quiet swagger. Yeah. Kelly is certainly, uh, Kelly, I mean, Kelly is a baller. Kelly, mm-hmm. Kelly brings it. And he walked in the other game but with it, like this really super deep hood. He looked yeah. like Darth Sidious. You could <laughs> barely mean, yeah, see his right face now, walking in. Right now though, it's John. I think the players would agree. I mean, you know, Kelly is, uh, I think we were doing a Darth pregame Ubre. video shoot. Yeah. Uh, on like a green screen shoot. And they were going over pictures of, you know, it was like immediate reaction to pictures of their teammates. Yeah, and yeah. I one of them was John in like a, you know, just a John at an award show or a, on mm-hmm. the on a red yeah. carpet somewhere. 
He and to the and first he, NBA award yeah, show, right? He Kelly was just like, all right, like, you know, John brings it. Everybody knows that. And uh, John keeps it fresh. So, yeah. I think right now, yeah. That's a long way of saying John it. is also a baller. He always buys the rookies. French Deal. Shout out to French Deal. Jan is sharp. Jan yeah. has a great fashion sense as well. I think the players, I think his teammates would tell you that too. I know that Kelly's given Jan a lot of credit. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Last one is a big one. G-Wiz, who is your favorite NBA mascot? And we're, we're going to discount G-Wiz, right? Because, of course, G-Wiz would be our best. But outside yeah, of the true. Wizards, who's your favorite NBA asking, mascot? They're asking. G-Wiz, G-Wiz is asking us. Yeah. Oh, G-Wiz, G-Wiz is responded. Asking. Yeah. G-Wiz yeah. Is, asking, is asking us for who is our favorite mascot. That's a good question. Um, I get to see everyone in person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Not Pierre. Is, no, <laughs> Pierre's no, kind of scary. G was um, <laughs> kind of scary. Benny the Bull is always entertaining. Yeah, he gets, he I like gets the gorilla. Trouble. The uh, gorilla Phoenix in Phoenix. Phoenix. Okay, it's unique. Yeah, I, I like would the gorilla. say. Speaking of our upcoming trip, a shout out to Orlando. They do a good job with stuff. Yeah, uh, and they do they do some good video content. Stuff is always you know you gotta check. Yeah, out so stuff. does Benny. What stuff's up to Benny for sure. I feel like Buzz and Charlotte got to give a shout out to Buzz. I think he's very athletic and I like what he does. <laughs> but but Benny the Bull. Yeah, yeah. Benny's he's a classic. Also, yeah. the San Diego Timeless. chicken is always a favorite of mine. <laughs> Bring him in for anything. <laughs> I guess we didn't have the yeah. <laughs> all sports. All you sports. can do it all. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I hope we did enough for you here. We almost did it all. Talking Washington Wizards. Answer some questions. Talk a little bit about the game tonight. Past game against Oklahoma City Thunder. Hope you enjoyed this podcast, Wiz Kids. For Chris Gehring, Zach Rosen, and Jeremy Hyman, I'm Jamoke Davis. Ciao for now, everybody.